0: I'm Arthur Falls, and this time on the Internet Computer Weekly, I'm joined by Andrew Phillips and Evan McFarland, two individuals who require no introduction, given their background on the Internet Computer Report. So thanks for joining me, guys. It's great to have a couple of community podcasters slash YouTubers on the show to hash out some of the cool stuff that we've
1: been seeing in the community these last,
0: well, few months.
1: Yeah, Thank thanks you. for having us, Arthur. We're uh, big fans of Cycle Down and your podcast as well. You
2: guys know just how to make a guy feel seen. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate the warm introduction too. (laughs) So right now you guys are in New York. There's a whole
0: host of conferences going on over there. So how about you give us an idea about, yeah, about what's been going on?
2: Yeah, well, we're super stoked that, you know, things are getting back to normal, you know, with physical conferences and, you know, getting back with all that. We have uh, NFT NYC coming up this week. Actually, it's tomorrow. So November 2nd is the first official day. And we're going to be doing a like gallery show with some of the DFINITY members, Liz Wang. They have an event called Iconic. And they're going to be displaying a lot of the NFTs that are on Entropot. So we're pretty excited on that. And uh, yeah, that's what we're up to. Awesome. And do you guys have an NFT project yourselves? Yeah. There was a very famous artist that I've been friends with for the last few years. His name is Ludo. Very famous street French artist. He's known for the Rest in Peace banking system, the BTC Flower. I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it. Anyways, he's launching a generative art collection called BTC Flower. It's going to be 2009 pieces for a commemoration of the year Bitcoin was created. And we're planning on launching it, you know, with the Bitcoin integration with the internet computer. So we're really stoked on that. Uh, you can follow along updates on BTC Flower on Twitter. And yeah, we're going to have a couple of our pieces available to be seen at the iconic art exhibit. And is that going to go on the Entrepreneur Marketplace? Yes, it'll be on Entrepreneur Marketplace. Probably late November will be the time that it goes. There's some pretty cool stuff to do
0: with this particular NFT. It's responsive to the Bitcoin price, am I right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of directions that it could be taken. So, one of the interesting things about Ludo is he works particularly with chimeras, which is like a combination of nature and technology in his case. And there's a lot you could do with that. But one of the themes, like we were trying to get across, is that Chimeras are usually randomly generated and come in all sorts of forms in nature. And what we're doing is creating all the variants of that in basically a species of all these flowers. And they have a lot of different characteristics, a lot of which will change and people won't know which one they're getting initially. So it will bloom into your random flower. And then one of the big features is that all the petals blink and the rate at which they do that and they do that in green is based on like the 24 hour change in Bitcoin's price.
0: And that can be integrated into the Entrepôt marketplace.
2: Yes, we have some whizzes helping us. Obviously, you know Moritz. He's helping with the integration there. He's wonderful. So we have a really cool team. Still, a lot of the early, you know, Definity guys getting involved and uh, helping along. Cool, awesome.
0: It's interesting to hear that the Entrepôt or the Tonic Labs NFT standard is able to support this kind of more advanced functionality.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we actually just did a podcast on Token standards and when we would expect to see like ERC twenty style tokens happening on the internet computer, but you know they're still working on those. What we're noticed is the entrepot standard seems to have taken complete right. There's not even any yeah. objection or anything yeah. to what the standards and entrepot is just absolutely killing it. We're like super impressed, and I didn't expect to see such activity on the NFT side on Definity, but it's really kind of blooming and taking in shape. What's your thoughts on it too, Arthur? What's your take on everything?
0: Yeah, entrepot is incredible. The whole thing's home baked. The whole thing comes from New Zealand. It's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, look at that. I like it. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, amazing, amazing projects coming out of, of New yeah. Zealand. So that's really great to see.
0: It's getting our uh, like national pride really stirred up. Let's start by discussing what you guys have seen at NYC. And let's go on to further discussions of the community and the ecosystem in general.
1: Well, we're trying to develop right now a bigger Definity community in New York City particular. It seems like a lot of them are popping up around we have a few good guys here to begin with the ICME founder is in New York City we met up with him and then Human yeah. yeah human we're just beginning to i think reach the phase where we're ready for conferences and meetups for DFINITY nyc
2: yeah i have been noticing though even just in the broader sense not just in, in the internet computer community but i'm noticing a lot of like a lot of san francisco folks from the crypto community they're all heading to new york city it just came out of nowhere i wasn't expecting but uh, it was a huge crypto community forming over here so definitely the scene is blowing up really big. We're stoked on that. I've been to all the NFT NYC conferences, so we'll never miss that one. But I'll give you more updates yeah. through my tweeting and everything. Yeah, we got uh, a three-day bender coming yeah, yeah. up for NFT NYC. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll let you know after. <laughs> a lot of very smart folks, though, coming here. Even a lot of VC funds are hanging out here. It's seems like they're in a the new spot.
0: And is there a lot of internet computer awareness over there? No wrong answers?
1: I think they're few and far between. I have a funny story. My sister was just in a coffee shop in New York City, and you would never expect this, but there was someone with a Definity shirt, and she went and introduced herself, and it turned out it's the like the founder of NFT.com, and he's a huge Definity knot. and they're around here and there. We, we were finding folks, but there definitely needs to be a better way to get together the New York City community. So it's there, but you know, it's still few and far between. I think. Yeah,
2: we're gonna have to revive the Definity meetup. We still, yeah, we, that- still have, we had the <laughs> Definity meetups from like 2017. But now, you know, ever since COVID, you know, happened, we haven't brought back. But you know what? We're going to have to bring that back and uh, have a nice little event in the city. We usually do them around consensus time that uh, the event in May of each year. So we might do something around that time. Cool. Yeah,
0: I'm actually just about to head over to Switzerland to catch up with the folks in, you know, the beating heart of the beast and try and get a little bit more directly involved with DFINITY and hopefully do some events through Europe and then also come over to the States. So we'll definitely have
2: to tease something up while I'm over there. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, we'd love that. And uh, exciting to see you you know doing some live events for Definity. That's going to be... We might actually have to fly out for that as well. <laughs> we'll make an early trip. No, I'll come to the States. I'm thinking I'll jump on the whole touring
0: bandwagon again. I mean, I think we did 65 events. In 2018, and then it just dropped off a cliff. So I figure we should start really
2: hammering these events. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Now's the time. Yeah. Uh, everything's opening up, so I do think it's reviving. Yeah. We're seeing more live events. Yeah. Who's
2: handling the events in China? Because I was really impressed with. I saw the Definity Foundation. They put out a video of the events that they had in China. I don't. You saw that one, Arthur? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, so they always had a solid relationship with Wangshan Group and. Mm-hmm. I presume that
0: that is who they're leveraging to spin up their Chinese ecosystem and community. But what I feel like is missing is that deep crypto community enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, we can revive that as a team when I get over there. I Cyber agree. Bunker, I think yeah.
1: um, the first movers we're seeing on the internet computer are real, like techies and developer first, and that. You know, the other Web3s have a bit of an advantage because their coin's been around for so long. And that's where the, like a lot of the OG crypto folks come from.
0: Yeah, it's been difficult to develop community without a token in the wild. But we still have a whole lot of communication and misconceptions to clear up around it. So while we're on the subject, how about you guys tell me a bit about your views on the ecosystem and the community in general? How do you think it can be improved? Where do you think we're running into roadblocks?
1: I guess like I'll start by saying the the good things. Now, I'm often reached by a lot of people. Some from existing, you know, Fortune 500 companies that want to move their existing platforms over to something decentralized, and a lot of them come back particularly interested in Definity and the Internet Computer because it's just happenstance the only choice. So I think they're attracting the right people, and a common theme I noticed. I mean, I'm biased, but yeah, I, most of the time I'm speaking to people inside Definity, but. When you talk to folks that are into Web3 in general, they have a lot of projects that they're interested in. They're well diversified and they go to different ones for different things. And those that are in Definity, the ones that I speak to at least that are developing are really DFINITY maximalist. So I think the community, like the good thing is that those in it are really like strong and loyal. The problem is that it's just starting to grow. So that, like I said, the developers kind of came first. And for those outside the community, it's a big barrier to entry in. Because it's it's like you said, the token launch at face value doesn't look like a good point of entry for folks. It's not a reason they're coming in. So I think it's just going to take a little longer for people to understand the bigger picture.
2: Yeah, that sums it up, you know, really great. Yeah, I love the community developers that are building. They're very tech focused. Uh, Yeah. Because I did see that on their site,
0: they published a list of grant recipients. There were over 100 grants distributed for some really incredible projects this was on their medium page and it was the first time i got a sense of the depth and breadth of the developer community but you really do not see that mirrored in the kind of let's say less technical community development and that is a major issue that we need to resolve. Part of the reason I'm asking is because this is going to be material to the work that I do when I get to Europe.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, what you said, it was super impressive reading that blog. I think there are over 100 definitely grants. And what's significant is kind of they're all on the smaller phase. They're, you know, they're all $10,000 grants, a couple 25000 And DFINITY has been very sparse with their money so far. You know, They haven't given out a ton of grants, but there are a ton of people building regardless. So the growth that is there is organic. You know, that's beautiful to see. That's what I kind of mean when people are loyal, they're here for the right reasons. They're building because it's the best place to build. So that's what I'm seeing.
0: One of my concerns actually is something that you mentioned earlier, and that is the maximalist tendency of the community. And part of the reason that's a problem is that it encourages this or it creates a slightly adversarial relationship with other communities that for the most part, certainly the most successful, have managed to find a way to coexist and actually build on one another's projects. So this is one of my deep concerns about what I'm seeing. It's funny because you can cast it in two different lights. Absolutely fantastic to have hyper-loyal community members. Problematic if they don't help you build inroads into
1: other communities. I think like the internet computer technically kind of wedges a divide between the rest of the crypto world. I mean, if you want to use AVAX or Solana or, or, you know, Polygon, you just go on your wallet and you change the place and user experience is largely the same and you use your swaps and do your familiar DeFi stuff. The internet computer is in a weird place where I think it's more so, if you want to call it a competitor, even though that might not be the best word here, it's more so a competitor to big tech than it is to the rest of the crypto space. And it's not easy for the blockchains to recognize that. And especially at, like a user experience level, people are unfamiliar with what might be uh, more commonplace in the internet in years to come, but just using keys and not having a wallet and having blockchain you know, full-scale socials. There's an unfamiliarity about the internet computer that I think the market just needs time to accept. And also, interoperability is something DFINITY is well-positioned to do, and it could do with everyone. But it's going to take more time than all of the other ones working, you know, alongside each other.
0: Correct me if I'm getting this wrong. You see that one of the reasons that Cardano and Solana and the rest of them have really started to fire off is because of the comparable user experience and the compatible wallet
1: infrastructure. Well, I think it's partly that that has been around for years. The, you know, people have become familiar with it. And then the token holders of those original communities have been holding for so long and are already their own type of loyalists. Definity just came out, you know, a few months ago, and is just beginning to use its first apps. So it might just be a wedge in, in familiarity and time will fix that.
0: Okay, interesting. My next question then is, how do you feel the internet computer is best positioned alongside some of these other platforms. Solana itself is spectacular. I'm a huge fan. They did an incredible job of taking the work that Ethereum had done and expanding on it. Ethereum, we know with Ethereum scaling, it's going to be insufficient. No one's claiming that it is going to be sufficient to make Ethereum scale to what Vinay Gupta, way back in the day, referred to as web scale, what he considered to be necessary for broad adoption of Blockchain platforms. That may even be an issue for Solana, in spite of its spectacular performance capabilities. From this observation, it seems to me that layer two is going to be a fundamental part of the future blockchain ecosystem.
2: Do you see Definity as potentially having a role to play there? Well, we have like Ethereum, right? So many nodes are running on AWS and all these other ones. If we can offer some sort of alternative to kind of like you know, run your nodes on the internet computer. I think that's a good potential. Is that possible? Is it? Is it technically possible? That's what the... Yeah running, front end, right? ends yeah, yeah, running frontends. Yeah, think yeah running frontends. Essentially, like fleek, fleek, ends on the ICP.
0: Okay, so running front ends, but you can't run the actual nodes themselves. I think we discovered that with the most recent proposal to integrate Bitcoin and Ethereum. They're actually installing Bitcoin and Ethereum nodes onto the internet computer replicas themselves rather than running it within the internet computer, which I believe was one of the visions prior to launch. I mean, that's not such a big deal. It's awesome that you can include that software infrastructure. And it's not unreasonable to suggest that if another large player was to emerge, that they could also be integrated to create an effective bridge. Right. So your focus is on front ends rather than providing a solution in the layer two
1: kind of style. I would add, like, I guess there's a couple ways to think about it. I might have a little bit of a controversial opinion, but I think Solana, like, covers DeFi pretty well, as do many of the Web3 startups they start there. And then Layer 2s are, you know, polygons doing that well, just DeFi stuff for Ethereum. But rather than looking at Definity as something that needs to scale Layer 2s, I look at it more like it's an interoperability solution for Ethereum to start with. And maybe that's a bigger deal than a layer two, even though they overlap in a lot of ways in how you conceptualize it. Yeah. And going forward from there, I think Definity doesn't have to necessarily take a dominant position in DeFi to succeed massively. I think, you know, we could get caught up in the details of how it competes with Solana and whatnot, but the bigger ones to me are the big tech alternatives that we see. You know, you're not going to see the next Facebook pop up on Solana. In DFINITY, it's already happening. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a competition again there. So the play was
0: originally cast as competing with big tech. And somehow after the launch, I think probably because there wasn't a lot of interest from traditional application developers, the focus moved on to entering the blockchain ecosystem itself. And what you're suggesting is that we really need to go back to the roots of the pitch the roots of the platform's differentiation, shall we say. And that was a decentralized alternative
1: to big tech infrastructure. I mean, of course, I'm not the best person to make that decision. That's a whole DFINITY direction that DFINITY goes. But I think it's the merging of the two. Why pound your head against the wall and try to fix DeFi when there's nothing really broken? If we have Solana, you know, doing fantastic things along with the other Web3s. I think the real uh, potential here is in the combination of the two. So it's not going to be just Facebook on Definity. It's going to be the Facebook alternative that has DeFi features. You know, that's where GameFi and SocialFi, like Dom, came up with these terms that he thinks are going to be ubiquitous. So rather than thinking about it as directly competing with one, I think if you could take the features of the best social medias and the best DeFi's and join them in one place, which is the one thing that DFINITY is uniquely suited for, perhaps that's the best direction.
2: Where do you think Definity's position to really take advantage the most? Where do you think they're currently at?
0: Well, to riff on exactly what Evan just said, for a while there, and it's strange that my attention drifted away from this. I was really interested in the notion of financialized social media. I think we started to see this across the entire financial industry. Think about payment platforms that use social media or just email addresses, for example. PayPal could be considered to be. I guess, a progenitor of some of these other platforms or other products. Venmo, integrating with your email and Facebook. These are payment systems that leverage the network created by social media. In India, you see a lot of stuff like this. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, some great Indian examples. I can only think of Paytm right now, but they have some really awesome micro-learning platforms that use alternative sources of data to assess creditworthiness getting that data from people's social media. For example, if you've got a large friend group, you can kind of derive some limited assumptions about a person from the size of their friend group and their activity within that friend group as it's represented online. Then if you look at Robinhood and the tangential association with Reddit, so there's no direct integration between Robinhood and Reddit, but you do see the emergence of meme stocks from the interaction between those two products. The issue with that is that there's no way to prove your Robin Hood activity on Reddit. They do give you the ability to tweet your trades. But if we could come up with some provable way for someone to show what their positions are on social media, we might be able to cut through some of the shilling and potentially some of the short seller
2: behavior that we're seeing that's becoming endemic to the meme stock trend. Honestly, yeah, even like the microloan business that's been exploding. And yeah, I definitely see a lot of potential there too. Especially if you think about the challenges, and this is
0: something that Ethereum has been going after for a really long time. Omise was a major first mover in this space. And that was just banking the unbanked, right? Everyone's forgotten that that was a goal at one point. And Mm -hmm. I mean, people gave up on it because. We did not have sufficiently performant and flexible platforms to provide these solutions to emerging nations. But a large portion, a very large portion of the world's population has no access to financial services. Or even worse, the financial services they have access to are provided to them by parties like Western Union that take a 10% cut of each transaction. It's just absolute madness. So for me, if I'm just thinking financially, Those are the opportunities that I see. And I feel like because we have a social component to DFINITY, we can learn some of the lessons that Venmo, PayPal and Robinhood taught us and maximize on those by building from the ground up with this end state in mind with fully integrated products. Also the native interoperation that is, you know, part of the design. Of Definity as a platform for hosting these kind of products, to me that feels like an unexplored
2: opportunity. Yeah, maybe this is the primitive that Definity is bringing about. This whole intersection of you know social with DeFi, you know, combining those two to be able to create these platforms. Now, you were talking about that you need to have like creditworthiness on your social platforms, right? So would there need to be a time period in which people actually create their social accounts build that social creditworthiness in order to then incorporate the defi thereafter
0: well i mean i think the two go hand in hand so i think establishing a transaction history is going to be primarily important because you need to be able to show what your financial history is but if you can then leverage other alternative sources of data that becomes at least useful as a way to provide
2: a deeper assessment of someone's creditworthiness and that leads to deeper line of credit as well how do we onboard these people though because we already have like jack dorsey he's going to africa he has you know a cash app and you know twitter and all these other things and he's kind of using bitcoin as you know with like a lot of the layer twos with with, with, the strike or whatever one he invests in anyways he's going in big and he's kind of creating a little bit of social and and divine obviously jack dorsey has a huge name you know billions of people know who he is and he's going to these countries how would definity come in and like really shake that up Like, what are you thinking?
1: Well,
0: the catch with Jack Dorsey is he doesn't strike me as a very smart guy. You're not supposed to say that kind of stuff, but we can say it. (laughs) And I think it's pure chance whether or not he lands on a viable solution. And it's pure chance whether he successfully executes. And I say that stochastically rather than relying on my assessment of the man himself. because. Yeah, he was successful with Twitter, but his relationship with Twitter is pretty Machiavellian, right? He doesn't come out of the Twitter story sounding like a very nice guy. And it's difficult to know if he really was the visionary that made it successful
2: or just the most ruthless person in the room. Yeah, I don't know too much about Jack Dorsey thing. I just know that he has the payments platform with Square and the social. So I was just thinking, I don't know, I have to look into the history there. Past performance is rarely an indicator of
0: future performance. And I've just seen a lot, I'm not going to like name names, although I'm thinking of a couple, I've seen a couple of major players make some really, really embarrassing investments based on obviously faulty market theses and technological theses. And so I'm very hesitant to assume that just because Jack Dorsey does have this history that he's able to either see the future of this technology or even execute on that vision. That said, when we start looking at Africa, for example, we have seen the success of m pesa which was a mobile payments platform that was feature phone based. If DFINITY could provide something that didn't go all the way down to the feature phones, but went to maybe just enclave enabled smartphones, we know that that as a technological piece has a much greater reach than the traditional financial infrastructure, just because it doesn't require any labor to onboard people. And if we can use alternative sources of data to assess creditworthiness, we've removed another ongoing expense from providing financial services. We definitely have the technological capability to provide these services. The question is, will someone come along who has the ability to successfully execute some of these products? That's the open question. And all of these things are possible. You can see
2: the potential opportunity there, whether or not you can do anything about it is a totally different story. What happened with Amusei Go? So, you know, I remember it back in 2017, it was a lot of hype around it, but so they were trying to bank the unbanked. Where did they go wrong where they weren't able to execute? Was it the platform Ethereum wasn't capable of handling it or what was the issue?
0: I can't answer the question categorically. I can bring two vague memories of two major things that went on, positive things. One was they established a relationship with a major payments provider that covered the majority of Southeast Asia. The other thing was they adopted and pioneered plasma chains. So they have scalable Ethereum infrastructure and they had at least a relationship with a major payments provider that already had an extraordinary customer base. But this brings us back to execution. We haven't seen them rise to the top of the financial services industry in Southeast Asia. So one must assume that something went wrong with the execution of their strategy in spite of having all this really great customer access and technological infrastructure in place. One of the major guys at Omise Go, Jeremy Lamb, he was a titan in 2014. He made a service on the counterparty platform called Vend that allowed you to mint your own tokens. It was one of the most elegant and easy to use products I've ever seen in crypto, like most of the counterparty ecosystem. And he really knows his stuff. So yeah, there must be more going on here than meets the eye, but it does just underscore the difficulty of entering
2: these new markets. Of course. No, interesting. <laughs> I always like to look back in history of, you know, people who've attempted, you know, thing we could definitely learn from it.
1: I think internet identity in general is like one of the biggest things that blockchain claimed that it was going to solve since 2015. And I think like DFINITY's internet identity has a potential that amongst this, Bank the Unbanked, it just makes sense that you have identity anchors that are associated with the data on all your social and financial applications. So, I mean, you could protect yourself, your anonymity where you don't want those things to mix, but where you would want them to mix, you could learn way more about a person and verify who they are based on their socials. And, you know their everyday day-to-day exactly. interactions. I mean, that, that being bound to your device, I think has potential to, to bank the on bank, but also have general like verification. There's recovery systems that you could make based on like social systems and the governance mechanism. That's an untapped area that I think. Yeah, I mean, it might start if internet identity could prove itself to be a successful verification for third-party companies and stuff. Then it'll maybe pierce that long-time problem of taking people who don't have any characteristics. except their internet access it's a great point
2: yeah fantastic
0: extending that india's adha identity system is really interesting because they managed to roll out a national identity system that penetrated their entire population but in the process or by doing so they had to make it sufficiently flexible and easy to sign up for that there was a lot of identity theft. There was also a lack of understanding in the population about the importance of securing your identity. And so this has led to fraud being inherent to the ad identity ecosystem. And it weakens that identity just by nature. What would be amazing is if you could attach your ad identity to an internet identity and use that as an additional security layer. If you could pair those two, you'd have this awesome security capability. And then if we can plug that into financial services and social media, then we've got this, not only a national identity, but social media and payments, all possibly insurance, microloans, all of which are exploding in India right now, all under a single umbrella. And that would be really powerful. Again, the opportunity there. Executing is the challenge. Excellent. yeah
1: waiting for a project to pick that up I haven't seen or I don't know of any um in the identity department <laughs> but yeah. hopefully someone will pick these up yeah it'll be super interesting
0: the internet identity is a really powerful thing and I find it really easy to use but I think again using YubiKeys, keys even though it seems like an existing standard that would be quote unquote easy to adopt unfortunately for the consumer market that's just not the case using your phone is a different story but Using secure enclave-enabled phones is a different story, but we, you know, we haven't seen that explode. So it's an open question about whether or not that will be the key piece of infrastructure that differentiates Definity in those markets.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time. Social recovery is another thing I'm hoping Definity will be the first to tap into. I mean, it's never been done before, and even I have UB keys like around and my wallet, you know, seed phrases. I still have anxiety. And if I lose those, I'll lose everything. I'm waiting for a project that could figure out how to do the social recovery system. And I think with the network nervous system, we could do that, like hook up your identity to who you are and the information that only you know from your socials. And, uh, you know, that's enough to have humans decide that you could get your identity if it's lost. That's a big gap. Get the everyday user just comfortable with having their online identity in this little piece of hardware.
2: Yeah, big time. Did India force every single citizen to adapt the new digital standard? No, no, they just you could use your phone, I believe a feature phone, you could go down to your local
0: corner store and get identity verified and so you'd be anchored to that store. So if a bunch of false identities cropped up that came from the same store, then that would, you know, give them a place to start looking at identifying other false identities. And anyone could just do it. So it initially started off with just your phone number as an additional anchor, and then you could build from there. The problem, I think, is then if people start stealing phones and people's email addresses and things like that, then pretty quickly you find that entire cohorts of the user base of the adha identity system can be targeted using repeatable scams to steal their identities. And that leads to, again, I'm blanking on numbers, but maybe a 5% rate of fraud for some lending and insurance platforms. And what that then turns into is an additional 5% fee that the customer base has to pay
2: in order for a, say, a lending product to be viable. Okay. Got it. Very interesting. Yeah. And first of all, I never... I've spoken to anybody where I always learn so much from, <laughs> you know, about the world market. <laughs> I say something in Africa, you know, the full lending applications are very, very impressive. I'm going to watch back this podcast and write down all the names of these apps because I want to learn more about them. It's from fascinating stuff that's happening.
0: One of the big things that is worth doing, if you want to see the future of tech, don't look at, you know, what the titans are doing. You know, people come up with one product and then that's it. You know, I mean, a lot of the time, it's very rare that people come up with multiple excellent products that are truly transformative. So where do you look,
1: Arthur, Yeah,
0: if not the big guys? I just look to emerging markets. There's a process that an emerging innovation economy goes through. And it was explained to me, this is a you know, rule of thumb. I'm not saying that this is a law of the world of innovation or anything. But when you get a bunch of talented people in a nation that has low wage rates, The first thing they do is they start providing services to other nations, to businesses in other nations that have a higher cost of labor. Then they learn from doing that. And then they start copying the products they see abroad and applying them to their local market. We see how hard it is for major Western tech to penetrate emerging markets because they don't understand the culture. So all a... Local over there needs to do is copy paste Twitter and make it culturally aware, and away you go, right? And that could be using something like the Adha identity system as a login or creating a system that allows feature phones to interact with that product, accepting lower margins rather than demanding the same type of business performance that they're used to. And then once that's been achieved, a culture of Innovation and business savviness develops. And once that happens, then you get the ability to actually generate what we might call globally transformative products. I think we're just starting to see that happen in India right now. And if you want to know where it's going to happen next, it's Africa. So the place to look is Nigeria and Kenya. It'll probably take 10 years for us to see the kind of activity that we're now seeing in India with the explosion of unicorns over there that's taking place. Again, numbers escape me, but I think when I was there in 2018, there might've been 20 unicorns that had come out of the Indian tech space. And I'm just going to pick a number out of the hat and say there's 80 now. So it's accelerating rapidly, but it just never happens on your schedule. That's the thing. People want to say, (laughs) oh, I've identified this. I'm going to go over there and be part of this
2: emerging tech ecosystem. But it just doesn't happen like that. So no,
1: I, yeah, I never quite thought about it that way. Yeah, we See, got,
2: we got to put more f- like resources and funds towards these developing nations over there Yeah, and, then, you know, look for a five-year horizon.
1: I actually uh, just did a podcast with a Nigerian fellow from my current company, Mysterium. And like, he focuses on digital literacy, what he said, word for word, he's like, we have all these talented Nigerians in all these different areas and they literally are just missing a good internet connection. And I think that was a dream of DFINITY, right? Like anyone could build a fully scalable internet service with just a Surface Pro.
0: Yeah, but what you also need is the culture, the business culture, the startup culture around that. So one of the big issues with India is they have a caste system that's completely unfamiliar to us. So people often just want to have some degree of social mobility. And that social mobility, we think of that as being purely financial. But over there, it means being respected and. Getting a job at Google is a way to do that, but that sucks a lot of talent out of the innovation space. So that's the other catch, right, is there's all these like cultural peculiarities that need to be taken into account if you want to go and develop a community and an innovation ecosystem in a new nation that is not of your culture. Because we all have the colonial mindset, you know?
1: Yeah, well said.
0: (laughs) To bring that back to understanding where we can apply products. If we look at what has worked for innovators in those emerging economies, we can start to get a sense for what might be possible if we can tailor it to our culture and our environment. So that's where I get the idea of financialized social media.
1: Mm, gotcha. Do you see any places right now, where particularly in Definity communities are building that have a lot of potential geographically?
0: I'm funding a team in Nigeria and the doing some kind of interesting stuff. I'm essentially just paying to have them skill themselves up in DFINITY. They're working on an NFT marketplace.
1: Wow, nice.
2: That's great.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Again, that fits that imitative innovation model, taking something that's worked somewhere else and reapplying it at home. That's a perfectly sensible thing to do rather than try and build an entirely novel set of products from scratch. So finding a way to interface with these other nations and these other cultures is the big challenge. I mean, look at all the work, taking this back to China, that's gone into building up the Chinese ecosystem. That has taken place over the course of at least five years, probably the better part of a decade. And, you know, it started way before DFINITY ever launched, probably before DFINITY was even conceived of. Dom was doing it, Joe Lubin was doing it, and it's paid dividends. But it took that long and that much concerted effort, huge concerted effort to succeed over there. And even then, you know, the internet computer is the subject of major events over there, but we're not seeing that reflected in the price. So, whatever's happening, we're not effectively communicating with the investor base over there. So, in spite of all of that work, it's still a deep challenge.
1: Yeah. That's one of the biggest things I always seek to understand more. I know that it's a communication challenge. I tend to gravitate towards the more technically interesting projects and it's always, a, you know, I'm a communicator on their behalf and it's like, it's the toughest thing. What's your strategy? I mean, you were the director of communications over at Definity for a while, right?
0: Honestly, if there's one thing I learned, it's that When you go and you talk to a room full of people and they all clap and they love your really technical presentation, you know you were talking to the wrong room of people. You want to be talking to people who really have a hard time understanding and you want to be winning them over with messaging that fits with a new group, not people you're familiar with and not people who provide you with constant positive reinforcement, which is what we all gravitate toward. It's what we feel like tells us we've done the right thing, you know, is when people tell you that they liked your presentation, etc. cetera.
1: <laughs> I think we're in the right place if that's what we're going for. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, honestly, though, that's exactly the case. You know, you want to be communicating in places where it's hard to get a good reception. And then just winning over a handful of people in the room is far more valuable than standing up in front of a group of cheering internet computer maximalists and then patting yourself on the back. I mean, you've done yeah, very you just little. just this? Yeah. Sorry, Arthur.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's an extraordinary challenge, but every day is a new day and we all have a responsibility not only to the internet computer, but to ourselves to take on these challenges. It's incredibly rewarding when you succeed and build out these cool networks. You meet incredible new people. You learn so much. That's the way to succeed in communications. The harder way is almost always the best, but it's often not the one that you want to really gravitate toward, and it really can wear you down.
1: Yeah, I like that. You don't hear it often. I guess it makes me feel better. It is okay just to have that small group of quality developers that like you (laughs) over the uh, Twitter shill crowds. Yeah, completely.
0: Well, anyway, so we've covered a lot of ground here and I've wound up talking a whole lot more than I really intended to. Is there anything else that you guys want to add to the conversation before we
2: wrap this up? I'm personally good. It was a great chat. Always a pleasure chatting with you, Arthur. I'll say.
1: Yeah, yeah, same.
2: has been way too long. I'm looking forward to getting over there and hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the events going over here. I'll be, be a blast. Okay, cool. Well,
0: let's wrap that up. Let's stay in touch and I'll drop you a line when I get stateside.
1: Beautiful. Have sounds a going, Arthur. Pleasure, great. man. Thanks for having us on. Thanks.
0: The Internet Computer Weekly has a sister newsletter featuring news, project updates, interesting tidbits, and reading that come up over the course of the week. Together, they are part of a larger effort at ecosystem building we are calling the Cycle DAO. Visit CycleDAO.xyz to subscribe and learn more.